Hello, my name is Edgar King and I am the lead pastor of Trinity Vineyard Church in Akuru. I am so grateful that you are um, tuning into our podcast today. Head over to our Facebook page and see some of the information that you may need if you're in Akuru and you'd like to join us. Nonetheless, we will still be on live for those who are unable to join us in person. Thank you very much. I hope this uh, installation of talks today will be a blessing to you. Karibuni, my name is Edgar. I am the lead pastor, um, and it's, it's always an honor um, just to see the people um, enjoy spending their weekend with us. Um, yeah. So, one of the disciples asked Jesus, one of the, you know, they were friends of Jesus, they were learning from him, uh, and the main, uh, the, the three um, orientations of a disciple is to be with his master, to become like his master, and then to do what his master did. So one of them, after watching Jesus, uh, realized that prayer was such an important part of his life. He continuously constantly withdrew to pray. He would pray with them. It, it seemed clear to them that um, uh, his whole life was powered from this place. So one of them asked him, teach us how to pray. And so we've been spending a few weeks just uh, trying to uh, walk uh, with Jesus through Scripture on how to pray. Because if we are very honest, that's one place we really struggle. Yet, if we're going to be with Jesus, as I've said uh, time and time again, the, the, the goal of prayer isn't, isn't prayer itself. The goal of prayer is to be with the Father. And so if this is that important for people who are becoming like Jesus in order, um, well, becoming like Jesus and then being enabled to do what Jesus did, prayer is an important part of how we should shape our lives. And so we've been walking through that, um, and last week my encouragement was that you should be bold and confident and keep asking the Father because He actually does care for you. So ask, 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 and ask again. Ask God shamelessly, full of audacity. Ask your Father for your needs because He actually cares. Whoever asks, receives. Whoever seeks, finds. Whoever knocks, the door is open. James, the brother of Jesus, uh, and was a leader in the, in, in the church in Jerusalem, the, the early church, uh, he wrote a, a pastoral letter and, in which he said, you don't have because you don't ask. So keep asking. On multiple occasions, Jesus gave that encouragement. I think this is what inspired that, that line from, uh, in James' letter. You know, in Matthew 21, 22, and whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. Mark eleven twenty four. Therefore, I tell you, whoever, not whatever, whoever you ask, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. John fourteen thirteen. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Um, John 15, 16, you, do not, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. 
so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. John 16, 24. And, and that day you will ask anything of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you haven't asked anything in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. And it's, it's funny now that I hear that. These, these band of people had been praying, but Jesus is saying, up until now you haven't asked anything in my name. And we'll come to that whole name thing. Because uh, in the mindset of, of this culture, names represented someone's nature, some, uh, someone's character. Anyway, so Jesus has so much confidence that anything we ask the Father in His name and in faith, we should receive. With all that confidence, shouldn't, shouldn't we talk about unanswered prayer? Right? Because Jesus is so confident. Everything you ask, anything you ask, you will receive. Trust me. Ask in my name. You will get it. So what happens when you pray for work and you remain unemployed for a long season? Maybe years. What happens when you pray for marriage and you remain single for ages or yours falls apart? What happens when you pray for healing and your child dies? With, with, with Jesus teaching this, I think it is important to talk about unanswered prayer, and that's what we will talk about today. And sometimes, sadly, we've oversimplified the whole, the whole thing. You know, I, I, and some answers really break my heart when, when you know, when you pray for, for, when you see people pray for healing and then they, uh, if, if it doesn't happen like we hoped, we look at the person and say, oh, you just didn't have faith. Like, sometimes we just simplify this thing and break people's hearts, you know. Um, uh, uh, the other sad answer I hear is... Um, when people are suffering or when life is lost just in a terrible, terrible way, uh, people go to, to grieve with the grieving. They got that part right. And they go, oh, that was God's will. Wait, hold up. You know? And then, uh, <laughs> then there is this obsession with, with ending all of our prayers in the name of Jesus. Because Jesus said, well, if you pray in my name. You know, it wasn't to be a tag. To be put on at the end of every prayer, and that's the magic word. You know, parents are very, are very careful to tell, to tell their kids, what's the magic word, please? And so, we, you know, we've thought that, yeah, in the name of Jesus, that's the word that works. That's the phrase that works. And so people are constantly going in the name of Jesus. That wasn't the idea. I'm not saying that you should stop. It, you know, we all have traditions. That's fine. But really what Jesus was saying is pray, make you... Uh, Pray in my nature. Pray things that are in line in my nature. When Moses asked God what his name was, he actually asked, what are you called? Because in this culture, your name describes you. Your name describes your character. And then God, does, you know, one of his answer is, Yahweh, Yahweh, the gracious and merciful one. God goes on to describe his nature. So when Jesus is saying, pray in my name, he's saying, pray in his nature. But what about prayers for healing that don't get answered sometimes? Isn't it in his nature to heal the sick? 
So, sometimes we oversimplify this thing, and it's the reason some of us have given up on prayer, the, uh, the issue of uh, unanswered prayer. And the reason I want us to talk about this today, just very quickly, is that one, a few things, which I will again say at the end, that I want us to realize how just complex the whole thing is. Two, I want us to, to, uh, to realize that Jesus constantly draws us to the arms of the Father, to the arms of a loving Father. And three, I want us to realize that we, we, we're living in this tension of the kingdom of God, in this age of, of now and, and not yet, in this age of the kingdom has come and the kingdom is yet to come. And that's part of the whole complexity. So, it's, so, so don't get discouraged. Don't quit praying. But just become aware that it's, it's bigger than, than we would like it to be. And we cannot oversimplify it. So I will share some thoughts from a pastor in the UK called Pete Gregg. He wrote a book, God on Mute, when he, uh, from a time when he and his wife were just so heartbroken from years of praying for healing that never came. I kind of like that, that, you know, there are leaders who are bold enough to say, hey, this is what it is also in our lives. I know how frustrated I, I am with, with some of the prayers I'm making. It's like, come on, how much longer? So Pete divides reasons for unanswered prayer as seen in Scripture into three categories, God's world, God's will, and God's war. Now, this will not be exhausted. This is just us taking a glimpse into how, how complex the thing could be and therefore maybe invite us to fall further into the arms of a loving father. To God's world. One reason uh, sometimes prayers aren't answered because it's just common sense. You know, because they just don't make sense. For example, um, if you miss the tax deadline and you pray, you know, that you don't get fined, what you're really asking God is that, um, you know, that overnight he would gather parliament and convince them that they should change the deadline for you. It just doesn't make sense. You know, maybe that's why Kerry finds you after all. You know it's now Ju mid-July, so if you didn't file your taxes, log in, you might get a surprise. Two contradictory prayers. You know, yes to one prayer is sometimes a no to another. There is eight billion of us, and not that God is limited, um, and the Father is listening. The, the infinite Father is infinitely available to all His children. And the Father is listening to eight billion of us just crying, Father. Because even those who deny Him have a yearning for Him. They're going, Father, I need you, right? And, and sometimes when we make a prayer, it's, it's a yes to our prayers, a no to another person's prayer. If the two of you are looking for the same job, if one of you gets the job, you know who's God's favorite, right? Well, that's not true. <laughs> if one of you gets the job, that yes seems like a no to that other person's prayer. Um, this week, oh, wait, how many people are able to try out the prayer cards this week? You are a very encouraging church. <laughs> 
So this week I was just um, uh, praying um, over this property because it's one of the things we were really praying about. And, and I just stopped for a moment because it hit me that what I'm asking the Father is that He would make this unavailable to everyone else. <laughs> right? You know, and probably someone else is praying for the same thing. And I'm going, God, tell him no. One person is praying for revolution in South Africa, while another is praying for safety of their property and lives. There's been so much chaos in, in South Africa. And it's just, all those people are God's children. They're crying out. It's funny, in the, in the last election cycle, and this is probably common across the globe, uh, when, the, when the results were first announced, a group went on the streets, both in this county and other counties, shouting, it's not witchcraft, it's prayers. It's not, it's like, oh my God. And then the Supreme Court overturned the, the, the results, and the next group went on the streets saying, it's not witchcraft, it's prayer. What was God up to, right? You see... And, and that's why I find it, I find it very, very um, problematic when, when believers want God to fit into their political camp. Because God's children are all across the spectrum. So, yo, those people, this, that election must be the devil's work. Wow. <laughs> no, it was a whole, anyway, I don't, uh, yes. Some prayers are not answered because it's uh, God's world um, has the laws and principles of nature that He built into place to work as they should. And, and, and bending that sometimes would be detrimental to the world, you know? Um, <clears throat> you see, it's not, that, it's not that God can't do these things and He's often done them. This is the example, you know, if you're leaving Nairobi at 9 and you're hoping to get to Nakuru before curfew, you're asking God to stop time for you. That will cause a lot of trouble across the globe. But it's not that God can't do these things. We, we know that He parted the sea. That was a whole night affair. But He parted the sea. We know that He, he, um, uh, he, he made the sun stand still. It's not that God cannot do these things is that they're rare, and that's why we call them miracles. Uh, C.S. Lewis says that God can and does on occasions modify the behavior of matter and produce what we call miracles is part of Christian faith. But the very conception of a common and therefore stable world demands that, on, uh, that these occasions should be extremely rare. We, we have... if. If God kept meddling with, 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 with nature, how, how then do you trust Him for anything stable? And anyway, that's an oversimplification of the matter uh, from, from yours truly. The laws of nature are put in there, and they often work just fine. Because they're supposed to work for all of us. For all of life. Sometimes, prayers are not answered because... Life is hard. And um, I, I heard someone say, you know, because we have to accept that um, in the last few decades, um, uh, 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 thanks to Hollywood and, and social media, 
the, the church in the U.S. has influenced uh, the global church, both for good and for bad. And, and part, some of the unhealthy bits is, is that their overconsumption with the American dream and their prosperity sometimes makes, makes them live as if uh, the world, you know, everything is easy. And then the church all over the world and, and, and in the West can often buy that idea that, oh, come on, life should be easy. It's just 911. It's just, well, just use a credit card. Life, no, life in this age is hard. Jesus taught, in this world you will have trouble. How encouraging, Lord. Paul um, was an apostle and you know he was a, he planted so many of the of the uh, uh, first century churches, and he wrote a letter to the Romans, and this is what he said: "For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and the glory of the children of God." We're living. In a world that is subjected to frustration, life is hard. And, uh, so the, the worldview of the Bible is that there, the world is, uh, time is in two different ages. The present age and the age to come. The age to come being the age where God comes back as king. And the, and the present age is the age of, well, all the chaos we see. Now what happened is that Jesus Jesus. Jesus' is coming brought that age to come, and so we, we see, uh, we experience the inbreaking of the kingdom of God. Every time there's healing, every time there's, it's a foretaste of forever. Every time there's an answer to prayer, it's a foretaste of being in the very presence of God. But at the same time, we are living in the, in the, in the present age, and everything will, will, will be made new when Jesus comes again. Until then, we're living in the present age, and, and things go wrong, and life is hard, and sometimes things don't work out, and sometimes people lose their jobs, and sometimes people die, and sometimes relationships break, sometimes nations fail. We're living in this tension of the now and the not yet of the kingdom of God. Sometimes prayers aren't answered the way we expected them to be because we just have bad theology, uh, a bad doctrine. We've received bad teachings. Therefore, what, the, what we're praying for is nothing close to how God, uh, God's nature, you know, uh, how many have fallen to the falsehood of prosperity gospel? The idea that knowing Jesus means you will drive a car tomorrow. And a Tesla for that matter. The idea that knowing Jesus means, oh, you will get a job tomorrow. The idea that, 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 that giving tithes and offerings makes all your financial problems go away. How many have just fallen uh, to that falsehood? And how many have fallen to the falsehood that, that because we're following Jesus, we will not suffer, we should not suffer? Uh, I, I heard something interesting um, <laughs> on a news feature I was watching. 
you know, just a super wealthy pastor and, and, and some of the people supporting his lifestyle and not doing well at all. But they said, how do we trust a pastor who, who isn't rich? Because then if God can't bless him, how will he bless us? How do we trust a pastor who is suffering? Because if, if that's his life, what, what happens to us? And this is bad theology, especially for faith who's, who, which is centered around someone who actually suffered. We are constantly called to the cross. And Jesus didn't just say that. He did it. He picked his cross because that's, that's the way to resurrection. We need, everyone needs, every church needs a sober theology of suffering. There is celebration, there is healing, there is freedom, but everyone needs a proper theology of suffering. We need to learn. There were three Jewish boys um, when, they were take, when the nation of Israel was taken uh, into exile that were going to be thrown into a fire, a furnace, because they had refused to uh, worship uh, the, the God of that city, uh, the king, and um, they were given a chance. Worship now or the fire is ready. And these boys said something very interesting. They said, hey, our God will deliver us. But even if he does not, right, we need to have a proper theology of suffering. That even if he does not, he is still God, and God is our Father. Even if he does not, he still loves you. And maybe, the, uh, constantly, why I think Jesus keeps inviting us to see God as our Father, is to realize that even in our suffering, he's always with us. That he feels the pain with you. That it grieves him just as it grieves you. The second category, God's will. You know, in the, it, right in the center of the, the Lord's Prayer, the, the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples, is this line, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. At least Jesus is saying three things. That heaven is a place God's will is done all the time. Earth is a place... Where for now, God's will is done some of the time. That's frustrating. And the third thing he's teaching, that prayer is how we live in that tension. Of, of, of having heaven in our hearts, of having the King of Kings as our, father, as our friend and Savior, of having God as our Father. Having eternity inside us. While living in this frustrated place where, 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 where God's will is done some of the time. We live in that tension through prayer. And I've said here before, you see, there, there are so many wills. This is a place where there are so many wills that are not yet aligned to the will of the Father. There is my will. There is your will. There is George's will. <laughs> You know, there's 8 billion of us, each of us with their own free will and a body to enforce it. Then there are spiritual beings, angels, demons, spirits, all, all that stuff. 
with wheels too. And then, you know, does nature have a wheel? So sometimes prayers aren't answered because of this, because of this beautiful yet frustrating uh, 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 thing God in his wisdom did, giving us free will. <laughs> And, and what that means, all these wills are interacting. Anyway, what that means is God is not forceful. He will not force himself on you. He will not force himself on anyone of his children. Because sometimes we are making prayer that involve God changing someone else's will. And God just... He will not force himself on his creation because God is love and love demands freedom. It's the enemy, it's the devil that forces. God instead is love and that's the highest ideal. That, that is who he is and love demands freedom. This is the very nature of our father, which, which means He's the one who woos. He's the one who romances. He's the one who influences. The, the whole idea of, of free will means there's just so much potential in humanity to follow God's will. Ah, and there's this, this interesting danger of them not. Yet God in his wisdom knows that that is the best way to go. He gives freedom, he gives free will, a source of great potential, but also a source of great trouble. There's a vineyard song I really like. It has a line uh, that says, uh, for those oppre uh, oppressed by, uh, what does it say? For those oppressed by the enemy and people. Sometimes the problem isn't God, well, is God ever the problem? Sometimes the problem isn't God not having answered your prayer. Sometimes there's someone else who just will not work alongside God. So the other, sometimes prayers are not, are not answered or we feel they're not answered because, because it's a slow process. It's happening. It's just working in time or what I call the slow kingdom coming. See, if the father gives free will and he's the one who woos and, and, and romances and just invites, the father believes that influence works better than force. So some of the prayers you're making are cooking. Well, they, they are working. It's just going to take some time because God would rather influence rather than force. Sometimes you are the own answer to that prayer. And so God is influencing you to, to wake up to the realization, oh, I'm the one who's going to do this. Oh, I'm going to love them despite. Oh, I'm going to be patient. God is influencing you. And so this is frustrating because the, sometimes the kingdom of God is indeed coming, breaking through, but it's a slow kingdom coming. Uh, I've been watching this show, The Chosen. It's very interesting. I encourage all of you to watch it. But after you've actually read uh, the, the Gospels, because there's a lot of uh, writer's liberty. And so Jesus is having a conversation with, with John the Baptist. So I, I need you to know, this is not from the Bible. This is the show, yeah? 
Jesus is having a conversation with John the Baptist, and, and he asks him, so when are you going to reveal yourself? And Jesus says, soon. Like, what's that? You know? Because, uh, and, and Jesus said something like, um, yeah, I use soon for a lot of times. And we have to accept that that's frustrating. I have no, don't get discouraged. Okay, let's be real. We have to be honest with our Father that, oh, it's frustrating. Sometimes prayers seem unanswered because of God's best. God is yet to give us His best. How many times have you looked back and said, I thank God He didn't answer that prayer? Sometimes just hold on, I have something better for you. But we are short-sighted, we, we, we cannot see that far, so we go, no, I want this now. And you're frustrating me, Father. It's like, no, 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 I want something better for you. And later on we go, oh, I am so glad I did not go to that school. I am so glad I did not marry that person. I am so glad I did not move to that city. Or sometimes, it's really the best for the world. I have, I have a few friends um, who have adopted kids, and one, one common refrain is, is, I don't know if I said this story last week, that, that they would often say, if God had answered my prayer for my own biological kids, these kids would not have a family. Sometimes it's what... It's, it's, it's something better than just for you. And so sometimes it's frustrating for us because we, we we're, we're bent on our way. We want, we want our prayer. There is a, a, I often hear people quote from uh, an, an Old Testament prophet called Jeremiah. Uh, he's, and, you know, Jeremiah 11, is it 27? Or what? Uh, for I know the plans I have for you. Okay, by the way, guys, okay, just... Guys, if, 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 you're, if, you're, if you're wooing a girl, just tell her that, for I know the plans I have for you, plans for a future. It didn't work for me, but, you know, just try it out. Try it out. Um, oh, girls, you could say that too, by the way. Just say it's, uh, uh, Yeah, let's not be shut down for... Okay. <laughs> so, so people often... Uh, 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 you know, do the scripture. Oh, for I know the plans the Lord has for me and blah, blah, blah. And it's true. God has amazing plans for you. What people don't realize is that in its context, this, this, this promise wasn't being given to an individual. It was being given to a community. And they were actually being told, don't worry, you're going to remain in captivity for a little longer. It's like, wait, I'm praying for this. Yes, I know. But you're going to be in captivity a little longer. So start living like this. But don't worry, I know the plans I have for you. Part of it was the restoration of the nation itself. Some of them died and never saw that restoration. Some of it was, was uh, the huge part of it, I believe, was, was the promise of Jesus Christ. Most of them who heard this prophecy died before they saw this. Yet God was saying, hey, hold on. I know the plans I have for you. Me too, yes. Yes. But this is frustrating, don't worry. 
So be careful when you quote that. Could mean anything. Well, it couldn't mean anything. It definitely means very good plans for you. You just don't get to determine what those are. Sometimes our prayers are not answered because we have very, very bad motives. How many of us know that they have bad motives a lot of the times? No? Wow. I am in, I'm glad to be in church. Jesus changed me. Like even when, he, I've gotten to a place where I know even when I'm doing really good stuff, I am not always sure what's, what's in my heart. So I constantly have to, have to surrender. And I think it's very important for all of us to know that. Because sometimes we don't realize that, that, that even when we're being helpful, even when we're just joining God in what He is doing, there's stuff in our hearts that God needs to work through. And so some prayers are not answered because we have terrible motives. Uh, Jesus, the, the, sorry, James, the brother of Jesus... Um, again, uh, in the same letter I mentioned earlier, wrote, you do not have because you do not ask God. Check. I'm, I'm beginning to ask. When you ask and you do not receive, uh, sorry, when you ask and uh, you do not receive because you have wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on all your pleasures. How many of us just uh, uh, sometimes catch themselves just thinking of themselves? We learn to abide. We learn to just stay there. That doesn't mean it's less frustrating. We just learn to love. And this is what prayer is about. I need to say that again. Prayer is about abiding in the Father. Prayer is about just sitting with Jesus. Because He's a relational Father. There's no single neutral place. Listen. Uh, say uh, the devil is real. It's the, the, the personification of evil. This is, yes, indeed, the worldview of the Bible. But if we're very honest, it's, um, it is real. There, there's a story I, I heard when I was, you know, uh, taking, I, I did have to take a, theolo a diploma in theology so that, you know, I can be legit. Um, yeah. So one of the stories we're being told is, is, is there are some cultures that are more readily accepting of the fact that, that this is a very spiritual atmosphere. Um, Africa and Asia being one of them, the, the, the majority world, and, and the West and prosperity has moved away from that idea. Um, but anyway, so you, you have missionaries coming out, and, and so this lady goes to the pastor, boom, 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 boom. People in this world becomes people. That's why Paul was keen to say, we fight not against flesh and blood. Think about how nations have gone down because we have demonized each other. Oh, it's, it's definitely those supporters of Ryla. It's definitely those supporters of Uhuru. Oh, it's definitely the Democrats. It's definitely the Republicans. We have demonized each other because we've lost the worldview that there is evil in this world and we don't fight by flesh and blood. <laughs>